Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another AMP commentary. I'm John Engel. I'm Mitch Bryan. And today we are going to be talking about Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Tonight, an ABC premiere presentation. Take her out. The adventure continues. You didn't expect to find me. The deadliest criminal in the galaxy is on the loose. He wants to kill me. And the battle lines are drawn. There he is. William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and Ricardo Montalban. Star Trek II. The Wrath of Khan, next. And we are joined by frequent collaborator and friend, Aaron Hammerbeck. Thanks for joining us for this. Oh, thanks for having me. I love Star Trek, love talking about Star Trek, so I'm happy to be here. I assume this holds a, a special place in your heart. It does. Um, I, uh, I I have to admit, I'm not as big of a fan of, of uh, Wrath of Khan as I am of uh, Voyage Home. <laughs> Really? I, you know what? I've started thinking about this. I think that, you know, every boy I've ever met, they love, if they love Star Trek, they love Wrath of Khan. Every girl I've ever met that loves Star Trek loves Voyage Home. I don't know why. (laughs) But yeah, that, that one's my favorite. But I do love Wrath of Khan. I love anything Star Trek. So, yeah. All right. Well, maybe we'll get you back and we'll do... We'll do Voyage Home. That'd be great. We can we can skip Search for Spock, can't we? Maybe. Oh, Search for I Spock love is... Search for Spock. I, I don't you know do, why John? people shit on it all the time. Okay. I mean, I know. I get that <laughs> okay. it's not okay. as good, but yeah. it's still good and fun. Right. And, and okay. the Enterprise we'll gets do destroyed. All... It's a huge. It's enormous. Yeah. It's huge to me. Yeah. That well, part is we'll just as effective as the, in a way, more effective than what we get at the end of this movie. So okay. anyway. All right. That's really good good that's good to know we'll do all we'll do all three of them so uh if you're playing along go ahead and uh let the we're using the theatrical release and so if you will let your paramount logo come up and then as soon as it fades all the way out you can hit pause because that will be our starting point so i'm going to start this up three two one start and there's the paramount pictures presents on the screen we get this nice like ominous start to the score too i always like that it starts out a little it's a slightly disturbing almost horror movie music for the first note here but you know as we're getting into the 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 score proper i just want to immediately bring up a controversial question between the two big themes star trek themes the motion pictures, Jerry Goldsmith's big theme, which became the uh, the Next Generation theme song, or this, which one's better? Which one do you like better? I, I split the difference. I like the the 
opening fanfare of the original Star Trek, the da 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 da, mm-hmm. I could take or leave the actual theme song. Mm-hmm. So I like that fanfare, and then I like the Jerry Goldsmith piece. Well, I'm talking about Horner's The Wrath You're of Khan. You're talking about Horner's, yeah, Horner's use one. of the... That theme. Right. Versus. It's a tough one for me. I think about it all the time. I'm like, I can't tell why I like one. Like the TNG theme goes a long way. It's because I've heard it a million times, like multiple times a day sometimes when I'm doing a marathon of TNG, you know? So, but it's also kind of, it feels like a TV theme to me now because. I've heard it a lot more times in that context. I don't know. What do you this think, one Aaron? is beautiful, though. Oh, I. you know what? I love the score. And I was thinking um, the exact same thing that John said about kind of the, the horror film aspect of it. We really get that in, in uh, Star Trek VI. I love that score because it's really mm-hmm. dark and really kind of sinister. And that was the first one uh, Star Trek that I saw in the movie theaters. But I love this score because it feels like an adventure film. I mean, it feels, you know, you're really going to watch a movie when you hear a soundtrack like this you know or, or a score like this it's it you you know you're in for a really fun time because it just it has sort of these like swashbuckling elements to it and it just yeah it just feels like we're gonna be watching a great adventure film and science fiction and star trek all, all of those things are kind of in in the music of this so yeah I love well those this. percussive strikes that he uses for Khan's theme and which is all I think kind of stolen from Jerry Goldsmith mm-hmm. which I think that James Horner steals a lot from Jerry he's, Goldsmith he's the great stealer yeah. of he is the great theme theme stuff including <laughs> stealing was. from himself yeah. yeah yeah he did he starts stealing from himself almost instantly after this score when he moves on to his next one uh, but yeah I think it's a really wonderful score and it has so many colors and it has that weird you're right it's a swashbuckler score and it also has kind of a horror element to it as well. I think there's some Williamsy stuff in here too. I'll point it out when it gets there. There's one particular moment. It's a transition where I feel like he's definitely leaning into a Williams style. But um, we can get so to the look movie at these now that new we're well uniforms. The oh yeah. yes, the monster maroon. I I love this opening scene, and you know what? I I think that Spock kind of gives it away a little bit because look at him walking around like a teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. he's observing everything. It's very unlike Spock in an actual like Spock setting where, and then he goes and sits down um, and, and start, but he is, he is observing here. It's, it's very much like I move around a classroom when they, when they do independent work, Um, you know, they're working in groups. I'm like, listening and pausing and watching it's just it's great (laughs) so this fabric around their necks i i was doing some research and i didn't realize that all of that kind of um rounded turtlenecky kind of thing all was done by this on a single antique sewing machine of which there was only one needle oh wow and uh they if they had lost that needle it couldn't have been replaced and so this was from the paramount wardrobe factory this one piece of equipment that they used and you'll see it again for these the in this in the exterior space suits they're at the arm joints and it's adds to it's on kirk's uniform or his lounge clothes in his apartment uh, but it's just one more really amazing piece of detail and far more unique than I would have ever guessed. 
So we're talking about a sewing machine, one of Edith Head's old sewing machines that she forced somebody else to sew costumes with. <laughs> That's probably right. I was right. going to say, Edith Head probably sewed it, but she, didn't sew. she made other people do the sewing. <laughs> I was yeah, reading. Trapunto is what, it, the machine, mm. what it's called, oh. that, that weird circular thing. Okay, so those those Klingon shots, these are left over from uh, the last Star Trek movie. Yeah. So, yeah, we should point out that they didn't get a ton of money to make this movie. This is uh, the lowest budget, right? Or the, this th- is the smallest so. budgeted film. $12 million Wow. Versus 45 crazy. on Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> and, wow. I mean, we don't have to get into to it. I love Star Trek The Motion Picture personally. But boy, you get more bang for your buck in this movie. I mean, just like mm. that that much disparity between budgets and you still get so much. And obviously it's just a percent. Yeah, 70% of the movie or something takes place on the, either this bridge or the bridge of the Reliant. Which, and so they get a, lot this, of, get a lot of uh, mileage. Isn't and it here the he same comes. set that they just refit? Same set. For same the other, set yeah. Yep, same set redressed. So Donald Trump Great. stole this. From his, for his entrance at the what, Republican WWE National used? Convention. Oh, I, see. I thought you were going to talk about one of his wrestling performances. <laughs> Probably too. Which, which, not that. But much he doesn't different. look like Jim Kirk. I tell you that. He's look at look at Shatner. Whether he's girdled up or not, he's looking good. So yeah. I saw. Um, speaking of Voyage Home, I saw the 35th anniversary. They were replaying the films in uh, movie theaters for, like, there were two days where they were going to screen Voyage Home, and I've seen that movie a million times. I've seen this movie a million times, but I thought that what was re- there, there were two things that were really staggering about watching it on the big screen. I am so impressed with William Shatner's subtlety. I know that he's not known for that. <laughs> he's known for kind of being a big, big, you know, big response, big reactions actor. But the subtlety and the nuance that he adds to Jim Kirk is just brilliant. Like if you really just watch him working, um, sometimes it'll just be, you know, a little twitch of the eyebrow or, you know, just the way he carries himself. He is just every bit, you know, Chris Pine, when he's playing Kirk is just so, I mean, almost just, it's almost a caricature. Whereas Hmm. William Shatner is just so subtle and it's amazing. But also I love that these are all television actors doing a big movie, you know, it's, it's even, even, you know, uh, uh, Ricardo Maltobon, you know, these, these, you know, television actors um, doing film acting, big movie in such a brilliant way. It's just, there's something so satisfying about seeing it on the big screen that I was, I was kind of surprised by, by Mm -hmm. my reaction to it. Is that a space vacuum in the back? (laughs) This is one of the things Nicholas Meyer talked about. You know, Nicholas Meyer wasn't a big Trek guy to start with. At all, right? At all. Never seen it. So he was talking about, and uh, with the opening shot that we, where we pull back on, on Spock's ear, he talks about how he figured that's the best way his dad would understand. Oh, this is Star Trek right off the bat. You know, he wanted that first image to just say Star Trek. He was like, so my dad would understand if he saw that ear that we were seeing a Star Trek movie, right? And then he also wanted to add these little bits of reality, so to speak, that weren't in Star Trek 
prior to this, like having a guy vacuum in the floor, you know, just like, hey, this is let's let's feel lived in a little bit. Let's or feel the real exit world sign. here. They've got all the those signs sign. throughout that whole corridor. There's like the authorized personnel only. Yes. It looks like a sign that would be up at a restaurant to say <laughs> wait to be seated or something, you know. Yeah, there's then, a no smoking in the bridge, I guess, mm-hmm. which was very controversial, and they left. They had it up for a while, and then they took it down. They wanted yeah, that, that doesn't make sense. They originally <laughs> wanted um, uh, Shatner to walk out smoking a cigarette when the when the the scene. Can you imagine? Like they, oh no, they seriously, no. they wanted to have him like come out, you know, smoking a cigarette. It's like what? No, no, not in the twenty no. third century. No, I mean they drink, but they don't smoke. Yeah, <laughs> come on, smoking, yeah. Or they vape, but we just don't see it. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about a little bit more costuming here real quick. Oh, my gosh. Um, Shatner's not bad, but Bones, why does he have a cod piece? It's like Uh, It looks like it's sewn on, but then when you look at the front, it's like not sewn on. It's like chaps. They look like chaps. chaps. What's going on? (laughs) I mean, he is a little bit of a cowboy. He's Kentuckian, at least. Uh, So we've got more of that, um, that... Wild stitching stuff going on with uh, both the sleeves the and uh, whatever we call around around Shatner's neck there, the mm-hmm. top of the shirt. Star Trek has always struggled with like street clothes, you know, like what oh, people yeah. wear outside of uniform. I think of <laughs> yeah. like, um, especially in the third one. Oh my Poor gosh, Chekhov. <laughs> oh geez, yeah, or like or like Jake Cisco, like all of his like onesies oh, yeah. that he wore. It was like, oh no, <laughs> lots of onesies lots in Star Trek. Onesies. Everybody, look did. at those pants on. <laughs> and you know what? I will say this: if anybody of the immediate crew is going to wear an ascot it will be bones so. mm-hmm. of course look at the curve on the fireplace it's... i don't know whether it makes any sense whatsoever but that's really an interesting notion yeah all this set design here is very interesting and he's like a real knickknack collector like yeah. look at all that yeah junk there's a diving together. helmet back there in the background yeah <laughs> it, it, it precur- it's definitely a precursor to picard where they really dive into it with picard that he's like a, a a literal archaeologist, you know, um, pack rat part time, and just definitely has a lot of junk around. I understand uh, all the nautical stuff. It's like very mm-hmm. Horatio Hornblower, you know, and and this is basically essentially like Moby Dick, you know, this film, right? So, oh, sure. um, I understand all the nautical stuff, but on the one wall, he's got like upside down guns, like the guns Duel- are upside- dueling pistols. It's crazy. Yeah. He said, well, he's he has always been into 20th, 19th, 18th, 19th century, 20th century history. So yeah. I guess it's in character. It's, it's he's just, not the sword guy. We leave that to Sulu, right? Right. <laughs> Sulu's the sword guy for sure. All right. So new ship. Yeah. Much lighter weight, apparently. The Reliant. The yeah. Enterprise was a real pain in the ass to maneuver around. And so they built the Reliant uh, smaller and more lightweight, apparently. Which makes sense. It's, you know... A research vessel, it seems, you know, like mm. it doesn't need to be. I, it should be a bit of an underdog ship. I think that works yeah. in its favor later. And here we get uh, who becomes somewhat of a Star Trek staple here, Paul Winfield. Very, very famous performance, at least in The Next Generation. Boy, Chekhov scored big uh, part wise. I feel sorry for Sulu. Yeah. He gets almost nothing to do in this movie. Well, I boy, we've we got talk we've about got it later. Sulu's yeah, later. the coolest guy in the movie. Though. Yeah, Sulu's the most unflappable, especially when the shit really goes down later. 
Like he he says something that shows that he's concerned, but he's pretty cool under pressure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But Sulu got you know Sulu got screwed over by Chekhov in the original series, and it wasn't his fault. You know, with right. the Green Beret absence. That's what you get for doing the Green Beret. That's what you get There's for Mr. Doing Kyle. John movies. How happy was that? That's so cool to see Mr. Yeah. Kyle over there without an agonizer anywhere near him. <laughs> and here's a much used model that they. They retooled this thing a lot for yeah. TNG too. The science uh, stations, a lot of the movie props um, got reused later. Well, is... and this interior set is being reused from the motion picture too. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I don't. No, this was like the it... rec room, that I, I giant room that they go hang out in the Enterprise that I never understood. Yeah. It like it had like hundred foot ceiling somehow. It's like what is going on? They just go there to to give a uh, State of the Union address. And there were some bits and pieces left over from the other series that never happened, but if they had mm-hmm. built some sets for that and, and apparently right. they recycled some of that material for this movie as well. Some of the corridors and, and uh, bulkheads. And our color scheme here is so early eighties, mm. like very earthy looking like Browns and tans. And <laughs> I just, this Reagan is what suits. I remember the early eighties looking like yeah. uh, everybody was wearing Brown and tan and <laughs> wood paneled basements yeah. and whatever else you can think of. I like the stenciled FR-101 over there. Mm-hmm. You know, very utilitarian. Mm-hmm. All right. Apparently, this is the some... biggest soundstage uh, on the lot at Paramount. They built this thing up on a high platform so that they could get the machinery, I guess, that they needed to blow the wind around. And everybody had extra suits on to... And all the cameras were wrapped to keep the sand blasting off. And then I guess we've got a special effect on top of the wind effect here, too. So I don't know. I have the director's cut Blu-ray and I've watched it a couple of times. And supposedly there's stuff in this scene that's part of the director's cut. And I can never figure out what it is. I've seen this movie so many times, too. I watched it last night. Uh, Didn't you say there was a little kid or something? I thought there was. I thought there was like a. They see somebody looking at them through. I can't remember. Oh, I see. I kind of recall that too. You know what? I just don't know. You know what's weird is that when you watched it on television, there were all of these additional scenes that aren't Mm -hmm. in the theatrical release, like the like all of the stuff with Scotty's nephew and everything, like really kind of connecting that that relationship. And so I Mm -hmm. I remember that too. There's like a little kid, like seeing them. I don't know. Or maybe I'm confusing it with I don't know with something else. But I sat down with Archer last night and we watched the director's cut. To per- kind of prepare for this. He does have a couple of questions, so I'm going to throw in a couple of Archer questions. And I have a question, too, right off the bat. Do you see that thing on the wall? Any idea what that the is? Cone? Just take there's, a look at it. It always reminds me of an uh, Apollo capsule. There are cones yeah. all through this. There's a bunch of them in the Genesis cave. Yeah, there are. It's the, same, it's the same exact thing, mm-hmm. too. So somebody get Eric Moore on the phone and just find out what this <laughs> what is. Eric Moore can tell us. This is, uh, I, I love this set even though it's baffling to me how they really, how did they survive? I mean, I don't care how superior your intellect is, sir. How do you survive this long? But this is the interior of the Botany Bay, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, your K-rations are only going to last so long. Right. I, I mean, know, what are they eating? True. They're eating these um, SETI bugs, SETI worms. <laughs> I guess if you eat them, they don't control your brain. Yeah, yeah. 
But this is always, I always love this. this is a little hammy, like blocking. I'll grab this belt here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moby Dick. <laughs> but our, our, one of Archer's questions was, how many times did Khan read Moby Dick? While they were <laughs> and I was like, that's a good question. Because he it's read the little question. old, the old illustrated classic last year uh-huh. of Moby Dick. So he was like, even that was, you know, an undertaking for him at, at age eight. But uh I was like, I've read Moby Dick once, and parts Khan of it. Khan makes everybody times, read but... it to him. Yeah, yeah, it's like his bedtime story. Yeah. So I've got to say, one of the reasons why um, I, I this one's not my favorite out of all the films is because when I saw it when I was a kid, it scared me. <laughs> it scared me quite a bit. Um, I and you know, and I think that some of it has to do with the, like that that fabric um, effect, that that stitching. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It like I don't know why. It just there's something uh, strange about the fabric that I and these you know, these create this whole scene, the way it's lit. Um, it's, it, I don't know. There's something very like sort of primal in my fear about this whole sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I love that material. I don't know what well, it is and what it could possibly be. Yeah. But it's so cool. And those gloves are the bomb. I want those gloves. <laughs> the intro to them, you know, when they, they go outside and then they see them, all I know is not, unfamiliar to us from Star Trek. I mean, that's the kind of shot you would have gotten. That would have been your button on the act break in an episode of yeah. mm-hmm. the original series. But then the way the specific costuming and then the, all the obfuscation through all the sand and everything does that definitely. And then the score definitely gives it a little bit more of an ominous feel. And then this is, yeah, this is kind of scary. This is for a kid, this whole sequence here. It reminds me of a, there were I can't remember the names of the the episodes, but there were a couple of uh, TNG episodes that I felt like were really intense too. Mm-hmm. Um, the one where the guy the guy like blows up from the inside. Um, right. I can't. I mean, but they they got like really graphic. I don't know if it was because like. I don't. I don't know. Like horror TV was becoming really popular with uh, Tales from the Crypt and stuff like that. But I, for me, like this this scene, everything about it, just there's something just very sinister. And and um, I I don't know. Uh, like I said, it's it's almost primal at this point for me because I remember how I felt when I was a kid watching this and feeling very unsettled. Look at these women. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, you know, Roller Gene Roddenberry derby. wasn't around, but the spirit of Gene Roddenberry <laughs> is right there. It's like, let's get hot chicks to be part of the team. I do want to point out one weird thing that I thought for a long time. Pre-IMDb, watching this movie on VHS, I was convinced, now he's not in the frame, but I was convinced that the guy holding Chekhov was a like a cherub-faced pre-Dune Kyle McLaughlin. I was just like, that's got to be Kyle McLaughlin. That's hilarious. I mean, he looks looks younger, but he wouldn't have been in Dune yet. So, so this actor on the far right, Judson Scott, mm-hmm. wanted his name taken off yeah. of the credits because really? I guess his his uh, agents thought that he was going to be typecast for science fiction series. Mm-hmm. What? And uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't. We'll have to look and see whether that actually happened. Whether his he's in the end credits or not. But can I just say so? Yeah. Like I know, buddy, you're I know. a working he, actor. His career was like he, he he was in I the Jury. I think is one of the homicidal guys after Mike Hammer. And mm-hmm. I don't think he had a career that was necessarily 
hamstrung by being in Star Trek too. I think there were plenty of other reasons why his career might not have right. gone where he would have wanted well, let's it. Let's think to. about your future, man. Like, so what if you get typecast? You get work. Yeah. Like you're in a giant movie. You're not going to take your name off the credits. That's oh, crazy. I think his uh, agents might have been uh, a problem. No, it was him. It was. I th- or, wasn't. It oh, I thought you said his agents. I don't know. I, don't, I can't sure. remember. I. I. Oh. Uh, that's. I will not speak. Did Somebody... we miss? Mm, sorry. No go. Did we miss the admiral uh, revelation? I think we did. I think we talked through it. Where uh, Admiral Terrell says says yeah. admiral. I haven't even met an admiral. It's a, th- w- going back to what you were saying, Aaron, about subtle performances that moment there's a big switch that flips in Khan's brain yes. when he hears that word and it's really <laughs> wonderfully done on his face he goes admiral and he just like his eyes go glassy oh. and he's just like oh a promotion on top of it all yeah and it just and he's obsessed with it through the rest of the movie he occasionally you know mentions says admiral in such a way you could tell it's a real preoccupation for him yeah. Um, and Walter Koenig, like he, he obviously he knew that he wasn't in the episode of Khan. He he mm-hmm. knew that obviously, but he didn't want to say anything because he was like, "This is great." Like Chekhov has this whole like big big scene <laughs> hey, in this. He was in steerage. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, there there. You to, go. to me, I've always just excused it as okay. Chekhov just wasn't on the bridge yeah. yet, and Khan did study see, the ship. You remember he walked around the ship yeah. through the whole episode. And oh, he met a lot of people sure. that we didn't see. I just go with, I go with that. I love that. That's great. <laughs> I love this little handle. Oh, That's this is perfect. The, that they put the handle on there just for this moment, Specifically too. For this. <laughs> but it's such a great moment to have him just pick him up like that. It's like, whoop. He's been talking about how intelligent he is, and he's obviously dangerous, dangerously insane. But then seeing him just pick a man up like that just really compounds the the threat. That thing on the wall. So do you see what I mean? How it looks mm-hmm. like the capsule of an Apollo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I wonder if they took an old modeling <sighs> kit. What's wrong with me? I was. What is the name? Okay, so his wife. What is her name? Mira Romani. Is that right? No the the. Woman that you know took his side on in the space. Yeah, scene. wasn't it Mira something? Mira Romaine or I Mira? I think so. Oh, Maybe I'm okay. crazy. Got See, my Star Trek. This is where I, I should know this, considering I have a Star or Star Trek: The Original Series podcast, and we oh, well, we haven't nice covered the plug, space John. yet. Nice job, John. Just slip that in there. Yeah. Using your incompetence, we haven't covered the space scene yet. We will be sometime in the next few months. I've got to get that name. I'll drive me crazy. MacGyver's. Marla MacGyver's. Marla MacGyver's. That's right. It. So now I got to find out which one Mira Romani was in because I think there was a Mira Romani or something like that. I mean, we have to assume that's the wife he's talking about. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of weird. You know, these days they definitely would have dropped her name. Abrams would have definitely made sure her name mm-hmm. was said. Yeah. You know. Or probably cast somebody as her. And well, this is where live. Nicholas Meyer's great in that he really doesn't want to include any more Trek stuff than absolutely necessary. He mm-hmm. really wants somebody who's never watched Star Trek to be able to know just enough that they that they need to know to enjoy yeah, this thing. It's enough to take an ep- a character from one episode and make him the big villain. You don't have to keep adding. Right. Because I mean, it's. It, it, to me, I was watching the trailer, the first trailer, the theatrical trailer for this, 
And I was amazed. They really lean into Khan for the first like whole minute of the trailer. It's it's only Khan. You don't even see any of the other crew members. And they're really telling you like, this is Khan. In case you didn't see the episode, this guy's real bad. And look how bad he's going to be in this movie. And then they finally get to some action with uh, Kirk and Spock and so on. But they were not selling, and maybe it was partially they were trepidatious because of the motion picture. They weren't really selling it as a Star Trek movie right off. It was more, here's a villain movie. This movie's going to have the best villain. Trust us. It'll happen to be in Star Trek, but it's an interesting uh, approach to the marketing there that they had originally. I'll, I'll post some pictures of the special effects team with the giant ear. Mm. That, oh, I love that stuff. And the puppeted uh, bugs. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I love it. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's wood, right? Walter They're like wood. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right here's what I was talking about. That transition to Kirk and the bit of score that you get right there is very Williamsy to me. Like, it's just, it's kind of got this lightheartedness to I don't know how else to describe it. I wish I could speak about music a little bit more fluently, but. Um, so here we're back to Star Trek, the motion picture kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's interesting that they do take a moment for them to absorb the idea of the ship there in dry mm -hmm. dock and they're headed toward it. They don't circle it multiple times no, they, like in <laughs> Star Trek, the motion picture. See, another another thing Abrams would have done here was had Sulu say, Captain, you want to take a look? No, let's just dock. <laughs> What a, and we get a big laugh because the, everybody complained about the flying around it for 15 minutes, which I like. I do too. I don't care what anybody says. I do too. <laughs> There's Enterprise something so porn. satisfying. It. Yeah, it's 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 a glamour shot. <laughs> mm -hmm. A really long glamour That's shot. Right. Multiple glamour shots totally cut fine. together. <laughs> I love it. And he, here's another example of him getting down to like down to earth with the naval, uh, yeah, the, the nautical stuff with the bosun's whistle. whistle. And then he's going to ask us to believe that that's how you loaded proton <laughs> torpedo that's later. The torpedo too. bay, right? Yeah. It's like okay, I, I'm sorry, but to this day, I still don't believe that they pull back panels and like set a proton <laughs> torpedo down. And, but it's, it's like all good with the for cannons this movie. on the sides of a for a right. broadsword or broadside it's battle. Perfect for this movie, though. So Scotty has a, an STD that we Scotty got an STD. Yeah, yep. little... isn't that weird? Because <laughs> they're Navy guys, and we know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what '60s teen actor does Scotty's nephew remind you of the most? He Billy really Mummy. has like, what's that? Billy Mummy from Oh, I don't know who that Lost is. Lost in Space. And... Oh, oh sure, sure. yeah. He looks like he would have been in the in the you know stable of Disney actors or even there's a little bit of, of, you know, Davy Jones to him. He just really bit. reminds me like he's straight out of the sixties. Yeah. yeah. It looks like the I can't remember the name of the kid that was in, um, uh, the like treasure Island. Yeah. Kidnapped. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember he his was name like either. In every Disney movie. Yeah. Jim Arkins. I can't remember that actor's name either, but yeah, that's part of one of the people. Oh, it's Swiss family Robinson too, mm -hmm. right? He's the, He's Dano's young younger brother in Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, oh, Tommy, Tommy, Tommy O'Kirk, Tommy Kirk. Oh, maybe like that. that might be it. Was he also the in the Shaggy Dog? Maybe. Ma yeah, I think he was. Yeah. yeah. Was he also in Return to Witch Mountain? <laughs> I think <laughs> probably too old. No, by that's then. a little no, late. That would have been late. Okay, I'm yeah. confusing him with somebody I else. I think then. Tommy Kirk is who you're thinking of. Oh, okay. but I'll, I'll look it up. And I like this. Oh wait. That was that. Is that it? That was in the director's cut. He goes up to Scotty's nephew, and knowing that he's Scotty's nephew, 
talks a little bit of shit on the Enterprise to get a response out of him. And the, yeah. the nephew goes, goes, well, with all due respect, if the captain doesn't see how great a ship this is, then he's out of his mind. Or he says, blind as a Tiberian bat or something yeah. like that. Oh, boy. I forgot that wasn't. See, I'm now I'm confused about which versions I've, mm. you know. I, anyway. Yeah, I remember. I yeah, I've that scene was that just version. cut right out. That cut was even weird now that I look at it. I think I've just always lived with this one. Yeah. Oh, for most part, you would. Yeah. I don't think they released that director's cut till I don't know when. I don't know if it was ever even on VHS. Well, that I know it was never on VHS. Yeah. It was like 2011 or something when that director's cut came out. No, I got the Blu-ray like two years ago. This movie doesn't need to be longer. It's interesting because it's a real tight movie. Yeah. It's, it's actually a shorter it movie is. than I remember every single time I watch it. Yeah, that's why I'm saying let's not yeah. let's not lengthen it. I think but it's, it's not lengthened by much. Trust me, it's still. But it's really, really efficient in what it what it's able to do. I mean, it's it's funny, it's charming, it's it's heartfelt, it's honest, it's scary, it's it, it's a million things, but it's done so efficiently, um, in in a real short amount of time. Yeah, I thought okay. she was really good in this, and mm-hmm. I was. I was sad she didn't come back for. You know what? I don't. I'm one of the. I have the weirdest Star Trek opinions. I don't care that she didn't come back. It doesn't make a difference to me at all. I like. um, What's her name? Curtis. I'm forgetting her first name. Robin Curtis. I like her just fine. I like her too. I don't have any. It doesn't bother me in the least. And uh, I don't know. I'm just weird like that. I guess. I take my Star Trek. I'll take it. Like it's it's Star Trek and it's pretty good. I'll take it. I'm fine with it. I don't sit around complaining about it not being exactly what I want. You know. Yeah. So there's a lot of things about Star Trek I like that other people don't. I think it's hard for women to play Vulcans because um, I think of oh gosh, what's her name in in the in Enterprise, Blaylock yeah. or I can't remember. Uh, yeah, she has a lot of weight on her. Oh my gosh. Too. Yeah. Yes, and and there's you know. I, I, I think that women playing Vulcans, they run the risk of being bitches. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're a cold bitch, you know. And and I feel like, um, oh, the girl who took over for uh, Allie. I can't remember. Robin Curtis, we just Robin said her Curtis. name. Thank you. Yeah, Robin Curtis. I yeah. think that she has more um, of sort of this motherly spirit to her. I mean, obviously, you know, she has to utilize that in three. Um, but she, I don't know, there's, there's more of sort of a tenderness to her that, Kirstie Alley like has I, I don't know she she has so much like ambition um it makes me think of um why I am the worst at names I could I am like the absolute worst the gal uh the sex in the city gal who played her all yeah. right Kim Cattrall, Kim Cattrall Kim thank Cattrall, you yeah. she um she has the same sort of like you know really really ambitious spirit that is cold and calculating but obviously that's the you know for the part as well mm-hmm. but I think I just I don't know I think it I think it's tricky to play uh, Vulcan as a woman. I think that we give men a little bit more like Tim Russ playing a Vulcan, you know, he gets to be kind of funny and, and, you mm-hmm. know, whereas we, I, th- I think we give men a little bit more space to be harder and um, more stoic than women. I think that, that uh, you see, I'm not an uh, enterprise expert by any means. I'm not really a fan of the show. I didn't like it. But that's, she was one of the things I did like about it because they did, they seemed conscious of exactly what you're talking about. So she set up as an antagonist at the beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
just naturally. Yeah. And then she does a pretty good job from what I've seen of the show. She does a pretty good job of growing out of it. Same way as Seven to Nine yes. from a Borg perspective does on Voyager. So, uh, yeah, I think they were conscious of that, too, by the time they got to Enterprise. But here they soften they soften these characters a lot, you know, uh, in the movies. Like, she's clearly later. Well, we get the hair scene in a moment. And then, um, obviously, the ending where she actually weeps. Or that, I don't know if you call it weeping. I guess it's a full conversion of weeping, mm. which I'm still not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. But uh, that's they her do, half Romulan they go to side. F- What's that? That's her half Romulan side. Weeping. Yeah. Okay. They never say she's half Romulan, but supposedly she's both uh, Romulan. No. So everybody's got to be half something so you can add a little bit more to the performance, right? That's <laughs> right. kind of. <laughs> uh, I don't think, though, that Kim Cattrall, I'm forgetting Kim Cattrall's character's name, but I don't think she, is she a half anything? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, She is 100% I, Kim Cattrall. That's yeah. all you need. She's, she's a half Vulcan, half Samantha. Right? <laughs> yeah. So she, anyway, I think all the women that play Vulcan, I think they all do a great job, actually. I can't think of one time where I was like, oh, I don't buy it with any mm. of them. I actually really like Kim Cattrall in the sixth Film. I do too. It's, it, another thing people complain about, though, is that it should have been Savick. And I'm like, no, I don't want Savick to do that. No. I don't want her to become that character. Why would we want that? Um, personally, I don't, I'm glad they made the choice to have it be somebody else, but probably talking over a whole lot of things that I want to Montalban <laughs> said that yeah. he was really disappointed that he didn't get to have a scene with Shatner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to add insult to injury, apparently he. He was reading all his lines with us, you know, script girl. That yeah, the, they never Shatner shot at the same time. Shatner wasn't doing the off-camera lines, mm. which well, weren't they both shooting shows at the same time well, and couldn't schedule? I thought that they both had. He had Shatner had T.J. Hooker and Mondavon still had Fantasy Island, and they couldn't get possibly. That's get their why schedules they couldn't together. do it. Okay, that's why. That's what I that's remember. Nice I, I'm not sure how accurate that is, but I feel like I've heard that before. So this theme of the Kobayashi Maru, which uh, I just think that this movie means a lot to me because whenever I find myself in what appears to be a no-win <laughs> situation, I think I think deeply about this movie and like really emotionally about it. And how do you move yourself through a no-win situation? And how do you find a way? I'm a big fan of reprogramming computers. I'm a big fan of, of working the system any way that you can um, to get around it. And so I just, I don't know, this movie means a lot to me in that sense. Like, there are things in it that just resonate years later. You know, we're coming up on 40 years mm. since this movie came out. And it's still, when the Kobayashi Maru is super important to me. I do, I think, you know, everything you just said points to what I think makes this largely thought to be the best of the Star Trek films is that it really does, I think, have the most poignant thematic thread through it. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think that's a real strong, and they bring it back even a little ham-fisted at the end. I feel like the last scene with Merritt Buttrick might be a little bit like, this is the guy that's saying all these things, but um, nevertheless, what's said, how, how the theme is summed up by the end of the film, and between a father and son, so it, it, it has impact, uh, I think it's real strong stuff. Everything you were just saying, it's otherwise sometimes it can be a little bit more surfacey action movie uh, theme. Like, oh, what, you know, I'm a I'm a bigot against Klingons, so mm. 
I'm going to have to learn not to be a bigot against Klingons or whatever it might be like by the sixth film. Yeah, I, you know, and I think the other thing that's complex about this thematically is just the whole concept of Genesis as being mm -hmm. this engine of both creation and potential destruction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty cool, too, because I guess originally it was going to be just this doomsday machine. And it was actually the art director, Michael Miner, who suggested in the early development process before Meyer was even involved to Harv Bennett that he's like, well, what about terraforming? And Harv Bennett didn't know what terraforming was. Yeah. And so he explained that. And Harv Bennett was thrilled by that idea because it has a it's a double edged thing. So it, it just resonates all the more profoundly. Yeah, it, gives, I mean, it's, it gives Bones something to bitch about here. Directly, it's a, right. It's kind of a Sagan thing, right? Like a, a, a theme Sagan like to play around with in his fiction with the say, yeah. contact or whatever. Mm -hmm. This sort of battle between science, science good and the bad that science can can bring. And um, and it is, a, so it is like one more layer. It's just one added layer, but it has a whole lot more richness than just yeah. Doomsday Machine, look, you know. But I mean, with like a film like Dr. Strangelove, you know, this concept of the nuclear weapon but then it's politics and science in that case, you know, like if you put the two, just add one element to this concept that's a very simple, could be a very B-movie uh, sci-fi or, or whatever action movie concept. Just add that one extra layer really gives it a lot of richness. I love that observation. It makes me like love this movie more <laughs> because like you said it could have just been like sort of this surface level you know uh swashbuckling you know shoot 'em up adventure yeah. story but like the the depth of it um the complexity of the the what what these these themes mean um not just in sort of star trek universe but for like humanity and i i remember once mitch in in one of the screenwriting classes you had talked about how um, science, great science fiction comments on the now and there, you know, there's, there's always something kind of, you know, there's, there's sort of the anchor in, in some sort of real world prop problem that we're right. dealing with. And I think that yeah. that's kind of, uh, that's what makes this timeless is that this whole idea of, you know, life and death as opposed to just making a doomsday machine, but also, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the friendships that are made here. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, and the Kobayashi Maru, you know, what, how do you solve that problem? Well, you just don't save those people. And that's, you know, that, yeah. that's how you yeah. win the Kobayashi Maru is just don't go in there. And that's, it's, it's, you know, again, it, it comes down to like the, those sort of central idea of like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right. So that's the third big theme that, figures in this thing, mm -hmm. which we can attribute that to Nicholas Meyer and the articulation of that idea is really great. And I think about that too, especially these days with the pandemic, mm -hmm. oh, you yeah. definitely think about the needs of the many being more important than the mm -hmm. needs of the few who won't get vaccinated. <laughs> so it, again, you know, more, more resonance, a great piece yeah. of science fiction will continue to resonate, you know, generation after generation. And, yeah, evolve. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, yeah. Literally because evolve it, because yeah. really those situations are. Now I wouldn't say interchangeable is maybe a reductive way to put but they're it. Timeless. But timeless. Yeah. Yeah. Great effect there. We get different warp effects. Mm -hmm. 
from movie to movie. I love it that that was a good one, and it's and they don't spend too much time on it. Now I got to tell you, the framing that Meyer uses on the Reliant Bridge is so different and interesting to me. Like we have the traditional Enterprise bridge layout and the framing that we get with that that's not too different from the show like but Mm -hmm. here the reliant just to give it okay we're on the same set it's a very similar layout but he pulls the camera over to the left and white and and pulls back a little bit we get this big wide frame and the lenses are multiple the lenses are longer you think the lenses are longer on so it compresses on the reliant so it compresses Mm -hmm. the space and it makes us feel like the reliant is actually a little bit smaller that, yeah, that but the, the, the bridge is smaller, but it's the same bridge. Yeah, in a way, it feels bigger to me. Oh, does Maybe it? Just That's because, interesting. Well, not not in the what you're saying is accurate, but because it's filled with more people and it just feels more active, and so it's not bigger as much as dynamic. And I yeah. I noticed this last time watching it, um, and, and I'm like, man, every time he cuts to that shot, it's kind of a little exciting to me. I don't know why. It's like, but a see, great this is a way wider lens and. Mm-hmm. It creates a sense of distance back there to the guy sitting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They seem farther apart from each other. It is uh, notable how much more up to date the the console is mm-hmm. to the old original series with the big dial in the middle in between <laughs> the them dial. and all that all that stuff. <laughs> That was something I noticed. But she's just got blinky lights in front of her. Like, why are those <laughs> lights blinking like that? And if they blink a different way, does that does that mean something has changed? I, I noticed that in yeah, no watching uh, Star Trek Four in the movie theaters, like when Uhura is, is making the the sound turn into you know what it sounds like under underwater. My mo- or my my daughter calls it the sound ship, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and uh, she she's just basically like punching like blinking and and turning a knob (laughs) on the uh on the console right so we're coming up on the first computer generated sequence in a movie right Mm -hmm. this whole genesis briefing was the first shot a little bit of it though like the first shot where we see the enterprise and the little globe right before we pull back to see spock i don't know if that's partially maybe. also maybe i love spock i don't know why but i just love how spock's carol marcus i don't know why it's just like makes it but it tells you right away oh they had all had interactions back in the day like they he knows her he knows her too yeah. right yeah yeah it's great but yeah this i remember seeing this when i was a kid you know for the first time and i thought this was really cool but i will tell you that i remember my dad uh, uh you know who was a lifelong christian very liberal christian now but a conservative christian then was really offended by this oh. like the what when whenever she says putting on the planet whatever we see fit to place on it he was like whatever you see fit huh like he was really like oh you're god huh and it was i just well, remember yeah, that very right? distinctly that's... being something that offended my dad and when and then of course when he says according to myth the earth you know yeah. oh, uh, calling it myth was very fit. now he, now he wouldn't be offended at all by any of this but back then it was like always looking out for how influenced i was going to be by movies and tv shows and making sure I'd, i didn't get de-christianized by anything <laughs> so this, this is, is all pretty this incredible is all computer yeah computer graphics 
So I have a a problem a little bit later with this scene that mm. I'll bring up when we get there. There's one kind of part of the scene that really bugs me. So apparently the Genesis planet Genesis planet has hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, see two of them. Something like that, tropical storms at least. Of course, it's Bones great watching the like silent one bit. You yeah. can really see these performances. What Aaron was talking about, Shatner's really mm-hmm. good, and it's it's he's mostly underplaying it. Yeah. Now, well, now DeForest he's the one... Kelly's not going to underplay anything no. here. Hey, I think if you go back to the original series, usually these three way scenes, Kurt, Shatner is the one underplaying. I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. I agree. Yeah. He he knows until, his place in these scenes until he starts to insult Spock, mm-hmm. the green. Oh yeah, well that's Bob always that's always has, a in this stretcher. scene it really sticks out as a as a sour note to me. It's not necessary. They're, they bull- they're going at it enough without him to suddenly arbitrarily insult him the way that he's done it. I mean, his indignation here is great, but then he gets a, makes it personal against Spock that just doesn't. I don't know. Are you talking? Wait, are you talking about bones now? Yeah, right here. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So that's he all good. Did this logic stuff, suggests, my God, man, he's talking about logic. That all makes sense to me as legitimate bones stuff. But this, no, they, that he turns and he insults him, I don't know. I think it's just like it's. It feels like it's for the fans. They, yeah, well, they did it all the time. On There'd the, be a better place. There was to a lot of human him. bullying, like like Kirk and and Bones would bully. Spock a little bit, make fun of him, call him a yeah. devil all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just really a callback, I think, kind of. But maybe I just think sometimes just it works better than up. others. Yeah. Oh, I usually don't like it. I'm always when yeah. I'm watching the original, just like, why are they doing this? Like, why are they insulting this guy? Be nice. He's the MVP Be of nice. the ship. Come on, you know he is. <laughs> okay, so this is just as soon as they uh, uh, engage the Reliant here, this is just top notch. Absolutely. Top notch action movie filming, and here I love how he's got everybody sitting around him, like you know, it's well, like the band. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it funny that the framing there goes back to more traditional Enterprise framing, and then here we get the. I never noticed that before, but mm-hmm. the shot we get of Khan oh, is more definitely. straightforward. Yeah, like it's like a freeze frame at the, the end different. of an episode. They should have shared a joke mm-hmm. together. But then when it cuts back to the Enterprise, we get the different yeah. angle of the Enterprise Move to the yeah. side, so that we're like yeah, on the Enterprise. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. it feels like we're actually amongst them versus the tableau of them all <laughs> sitting there. Look at this. That's wild. As soon as Spock says, okay, so they they send this like lie over to Ahura, right? About something not working. I can't remember what exactly it is. And as soon as Spock scans and finds out that's not true... Shields up. Why in the world do they wait after that? They just lied to you. You know that there's something wrong here. It's very weird to me that he waits. Uh, to me, that's the moment of real error in uh, how they get caught with their britches down. It's like in the beginning when, when she enters the neutral zone without the shields up. It's like, wait, mm-hmm. wait. <laughs> shields up first, then enter the neutral zone. So they're energized and ready for anything, but they're not putting up the shields yet. What are you going to do? Insult? Will it insult the Reliance captain if you put up your shields? Yeah, Is yeah that really. What it just doesn't. Right here. Well, it's Kirk's, at least Kirk acknowledges it's his screw up. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But on, on the 
Picard's Enterprise, as soon as it was, as soon as they found out there was an actually, Riker would have stood right up and said red alert, yeah. like immediately. <laughs> it wouldn't have even waited. That was a lot more of a, you know, a well-oiled machine than this uh, kind of, they're kind of ragtag here. They haven't done this in a while, so. Oh. And th- this is just classic naval movie. <laughs> and then, of course, submarine the angled camera stuff. with everybody falling across the like the TV show. It's pretty good, though. I mean, yeah, a it's pretty few, good, couple but, of the stuntmen were all out on that one. <laughs> so many sparks in space. It just is. I literally and, just saw today a photo, speaking of like submarine, a photo of the set of Hunt for the Red October, like where they tilt right. it with like Sean yeah. Connery, like standing there. Yeah, like, yeah we talked about that. Side. I think we talked about that back when we did that yeah. commentary, did that which you can show. listen to, you know, any, anyone. Well, I guess you're already in, uh, subscribed, so I don't have to sell the Patreon to you. Okay, this these masks. We get a little bit of the dubious at uh, costuming. <laughs> this mask is a little too futuristic, like Logan's Run. Style oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's not. It's not bad. It's pumping fresh air in, and it's locked over your face, and you can still see your face. So maybe it's yeah, maybe better than it's for masks people that read lips now. Yeah. Too late. I always love it. Spock has so many little lines that just hit right. Too late. So much fire and smoke. Yeah. In space. It's not good. (laughs) You guys need to be working different kinds of circuitry. <laughs> this poor guy. The look on his that, face, I always thought was was. It always strikes me as funny. That spot on the bridge is always a bad one to be in. Ch- poor Chekhov really takes it hard over there. <laughs> That's <laughs> a spot in the in the motion picture. So I feel like this next moment is a very Star Trek. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's used a lot. But I always think of this moment here. So we get this. And then we get the rise into frame. I feel like that's... I don't know why I feel like that's distinctly Star Trek. But maybe it's not. But it's great. I mean, it really sells the like shock and awe of the moment. To have him just rise into the... And to think that they weren't playing off of each other either, which is just is is extraordinary to me. Um, yeah, it's just that their their energy levels. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Did they just shoot um, like a, a ton of takes in order to get it just right? Um, I because I mean, their energy level, everything, their chemistry is just spectacular. And I remember reading at one point somebody said that. Um, that uh, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner are actually kind of difficult actors to match because Leonard Nimoy 
got his like first takes just nailed them. He was he was mm-hmm. great. And then the more takes you met you took of of his of a scene, he would kind of lose some of that presence. Whereas William Shatner, <laughs> he kind of needed to do multiple takes in order to find his groove. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I I don't know. I mean, just to be able to find this beautiful chemistry between these two men without them being physically together is just it, it's extraordinary. Because, I mean, I think of, like, when I would do acting for the camera, and I'd go in and, and, and audition for something, and you'd have this script reader who would read in the most monotone, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, bored sound ever, and you'd have to, like, really animate yourself off of that. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult. So it's, it's amazing what they were able to accomplish. There's only one little beat coming up here that I think – you can tell the problem. You can see that they weren't quite, they were clearly not together. Yeah. I'll show you in just a second. Well, it's basically right here. The way he, it's pretty good here. Oh, maybe it's the next. No, it's the next time when Khan's about to say something. He's like, just another minute. And he's just like, I don't know why. It's just, I love the fact it. that like, all you got to do is turn away from the view screen and they can't hear what you're saying. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like, is there a mute button? No. Makes me think of that scene in Galaxy Quest when he's like, oh, I thought you were giving me the weird dead signal. And he's like, no, <laughs> I told you to turn off the video. Yeah, they're doing all the. Oh, it's right. I think it's right here. And they're doing the same thing. They turn away and you can't hear them either. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Spock is just kind of casually reaching over, making sure all the right buttons got pushed on that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty cool. Jim is looking at it upside down, so I need to make sure. The old Maltaban like arm. Oh yes, sweeps his arm across. Adds a little extra. I think this costume choice is so weird. How the flap can come down. Mm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't reveal anything. I can't imagine it's any cooler. It gives us. It enables us to see blood on it later. Exactly. Okay, I maybe I'm imagining that specific moment. I do think that the granny glasses are are so awesome. Again, oh, I, I, my great. guess is that's probably Nicholas Meyer and, uh, bringing that reality of the fact that he needs glasses. I think that's pretty cool. Well, that's another one of those beautiful themes of this film the the old yeah. the idea of aging. You know, yep. aging mm-hmm. out of your your passion. Um, and the fact that, you know, he's an admiral and like you said, he's kind of rusty at being a captain. Um, but yeah, the, the, and, and, you know, the, the idea of like, yeah, nearing, uh, nearing the end of your life, uh, is, is, is so fascinating when you combine that with the, the that shot, the audience just gasped when that mm. ship came oh. up over the, uh, in the audience. Mm-hmm. I remember in the, the, the whole place, just, you could just hear it. It's cool. It's a great sequence button right there. The she's well, not I saw going this two or three anywhere. times in the theater with audiences, you know, on first run, and boy, they it was really exciting. I love that he says britches. That's what my grandma would say. That's what she called pants. <laughs> yeah, that is granny, granny glasses. So grandma britches. Words. It's the last time you heard anyone use that word. Kind of weird. 
Kind of weird. Kind of weird, Scotty, that you brought him yeah. up. Yeah, brought him up to maybe sick bay would have been a better sick choice. Yeah. But Bones had sick bay ready. He told us before. But you know, it's a it's a good moment anyway. He's grieving. This poor guy on the floor. Yeah, there's isn't there an empty? Oh no, maybe not. I was going to say, hey, there, it looks like there's an empty bed back there. Why don't you? <laughs> there's a a line um, that Scotty says. Uh, he says, "My sister's youngest, crazy to get to space," um, about his his nephew. Which I I wish uh, just a little tiny slice would have been nice to have in there. A little Scotty mm-hmm. moment. I love James Dewan, so I'm I'm always looking for Scotty moments. <laughs> yeah. This is real John Ford stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's super sentimental, mm-hmm. but it's really effective. Yeah, I can hear the little guitar playing in the background. Or the accordion. The Duke, the Duke telling the kid, yeah, or the accordion. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I see there. I do think there could have been more right there. That would have been nice to have one, one little, not just, he stayed at his post. I don't know. You're right. That line would have been giving us a little bit more. Because, I mean, you know, once again, the, the, the combination of these young kids on board, um, you know, Savic, you know, the, these these younger people inexperienced mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the hands of the older generation that should be responsible for them. And I, I think to have something like that happen to your sister's ch- youngest child, it would be absolutely devastating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess just wiping a monitor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, probably could leave that. Clean up crew. Lower decks. <laughs> Unremarkable oars. <laughs> strange moment. you know this color of these uniforms this this um, kind of deep red almost maroon <laughs> apparently they were testing fabrics from the other movie because they wanted to reuse materials and they found there were only like three colors that they could get the dye to work properly with the fabrics from the others and one of them was this this red color Oh, I love said, oh, these we'll, coats. They said we'll go oh. with that. Yeah, I love these coats oh, too. I want and then one. Given Kirk the raise, uh, the raise collar. Yes. He's got his collar flipped up in a very eighties no, way. It works really well. Yeah, it's a, it's funny enough. It's a little like uh, Blade Runner, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, um, Dolph Lundgren, uh, oh, Dolph Redger Lundgren. Hauer. God. <laughs> I've been doing that my whole life. 
Doing <laughs> Rutger Hauer. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny. They're not that different. <laughs> oh, I know, but like just thinking of Dolph Lundgren saying, guys. you know, doing the speech at the end is pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. John, do these minutes look familiar to you? Yeah, we did. We These are me and Mitch did these minutes on Star Trek Minute. That's right. Which Aaron has also been a guest on, I believe. Yeah, my minutes are later. <laughs> now, in a minute, here, I think it's right here. Is it right here? No. We're going to get the ultimate Kirk shot right there. Oh, that's it. It's great. If you ever have yeah. to have a moment that's Kirk, just that door opening to him. And it's in that old ABC uh, Sunday Night Movie uh, intro that I just, I don't know why it's exciting. So, again, we've is... got that, just pointing out that same visual motif in the costume design of those, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of turtleneck material. Yep. And this is legitimately scary. Oh yes, uh, Archer. Archer gets he's scared of this. <laughs> like it bothers him. And, I mean, this is crazy. It's like horrifying. everything about this is kind of like wow. This is yeah, extra yeah, violent really, for Star Trek. Super sadistic. Khan was Khan was not in a good mood. I mean, the way it's you know Terrell uh, uh, describes it later too. It's like wow. I mean, it looks bad already, but he was like slitting throats left and right. That's mm. insane. You know, I, I love that this movie is constantly raising the stakes because it's not even mm-hmm. just that he like completely debilitated the, uh, you know, the, the enterprise. You know, it's like it, everything just keeps building and building and building. It almost feels it. it I, I love sort of the insurmountable foe. You know, it, it's just there's something yeah. so satisfying about that. Yeah. This is a funny moment. She kind of shuts her down. <laughs> like she's like, wait, but but. Okay, so we one hundred percent believe that their the spell is broken at this point, right? I, Mitch, how did you feel when you first watched this movie? Did you go, oh, these guys are, you know, he left them behind. The spell must be broken. They're a little, they're disheveled, but they're not bad guys anymore. Not, you know, under the uh, You know what? Anymore. It was all moving so fast that I didn't really have time to think about it. Because if you think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why is it just, is it just because ultimately Chekhov loves Kirk and he can mm-hmm. manage to oh, yeah. fight off the influence oh, of the SETI worms in a way that Terrell can't? Well, Terrell does though, kind yeah. of. Kind he of. He still doesn't kind, do kind it. Kind of. Right. It's like that's how much. It's always about how much respect Kirk really could get out of. It. He gets Brings like the him. ultimate respect. Yeah. yeah. It's so much so that even a brainwashed man can't shoot him, you know, because he has so much respect and he never even met him before. He's like this is their first meeting right here. He said so earlier that he never met him, but he respects his legend so much that he'll kill himself before killing Kirk. <laughs> It's great. It's always uh, it's always with Kirk. It's just the most respected man in the galaxy, revered and known by all. We we've heard of your ways on our planet. You know, it's always something. Terrell's like got that. his flap down too. I wonder what's up with that flap. Thing. Flaps down. Flaps down. That's what they say when it's time to party. You know, like <laughs> office party. I don't know what to make of this endless light show in the transporter room. It just gives the the background some like 
I don't. I know, know what either. it does, but it's kind of like, do you really think that's? <laughs> it's it's very original series. It's not it so sure much is. movie era. Yeah, you it's know. like magenta and green and all those crazy colors. So Kirk knows a ton about Genesis. Like he's been briefed on Genesis way before, right? As being an admiral, I guess his clearance. It's right. kind of surprising to me, and it's fine because we don't want Spock to know about it because we want to get the information dump, which kind of requires Spock to have to learn about it, right, earlier. But you would kind of think that Spock would be a great guy to, <laughs> to bring in on this project. You know, Kirk's communicator there, it definitely looks sturdier than the ones mm-hmm. in the original series, but it's not as sexy. It definitely looks like somebody poked holes in a little sheet metal. It's like yeah. a cheese grater. You can mm-hmm. throw it around and it won't it'll take way more of a beating than those other ones would. Oh, this is I We'd like to share the risk is just an amazing, I, I love stuff like that. That's like a, you know, the old Carl Ryan Mel Brooks, like, like any movie where people are like, you know, fortify the flanks or, or you need, you need to get some rest. It's like saying people that would say, no, I want to also put myself in danger with you. It's just like great movie stuff. If it's all the same, we'd like to share the risk. That uh, get, this is your chance to get away from it all is pretty good. Yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> it's so weird. It's got a big laugh. So we got more There's of these more triangle cones. things, more of these cones Apollo sitting around capsules. down there. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's one over there. There's one here. Yeah, they're everywhere. Hmm. I guess they left the Genesis box uh, open so it could cool off or something. Like, why was it like sitting there like that? That's kind of funny to me. Little things you shouldn't probably even think about when you're watching a movie. Those are uh, camera cases right there behind mm-hmm. behind them. Okay, so David, I mean, that is the lamest wind up for a punch I've ever seen. <laughs> think he really wants to punch he's him. just gonna pop him <laughs> just a gentle punch to the nose I mean, he's not gonna go full volleyball style hands together punch like he used to Mm-mm. he knows look that at kid, that he doesn't... cone thing i swear it's driving me crazy they look like spate rockets see david's pretty stupid <laughs> why does he think i know does he really think that that's ridiculous Now, those are the phasers that I had a version of when yeah, I was a I kid, but they were bigger and bulkier and they had, it was like the original laser tag. They had, I had these phasers that had a little camera eye, like a little laser eye in the front and you, I got two of them and then you'd run around the house and shoot. And if you like shot the other person's laser eye, they were out. But that was the style of phaser. It was just a little bigger and bulkier and gray. Had so, to have been around the time this movie came out, too. So how were they able to go back to being bad guys for a second after Kirk seemed to have gotten them 
Because they, their instructions were to pretend not to pretend be bad Pretend not guys. to, right. Yeah. Sorry, it is difficult. It's it's a lot. You got to talk into your wrist and point the phaser at the same time. Yeah. Other times you can just speak into the air and people hear you also from other ships. So is it when you finally take your own will into hand that the the little earworm detaches? Is that because <laughs> yeah, as soon as he kind of rebels is when he starts feeling it, and then now Chekhov's going to feel it, or or is just the the time's up. That doesn't make any sense because it, it said earlier that it kills you. But here it comes out on its own for some reason, right? So or does Wikipedia Bones... said that this shot wasn't in the theatrical release, and that's not true. This shot is totally no, was in there. I remember the audience going, yeah. when they saw it. Yeah, you got to see it. So wait, did did Bones just point something at him that caused it to come out? Or was that just him pointing a flashlight at him? Because it really just doesn't make sense that the thing comes out on its own. After what we were told earlier, Khan right. said that it stays there and grows until you die. So I don't know. But, but Bones has all those things he can just point at people and it gives them a new kidney or whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> that was all a right, pill. So I'm is, sorry. That was a pill that gave that one kidney. This is pretty great here. We, we're going to let Shatner kind of go. Mm -hmm. and, and Montalban, for that yeah, matter. Let them both faces. go. <laughs> You're off the chain, guys. <laughs> Old friend. That's so shattery the way he says old, old friend. I don't, I've never he's, he's why he says his it. mind. <laughs> you keep missing the target. It's just all very shattery. Cue the supermodel. Yeah. I've done much more. Than... They are acting for the back seat. They're the they back of the house. Definitely hitting the back row. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great though because this is like arguably the most famous moment of yeah. the movie coming up right and this is definitely the part of the movie they were selling in that trailer too you get the the big line in the trailer was i've done much more than kill you or hurt you or so whatever. did he knew he was going to do that or not did did Khan was he surprised was, beam that was up? shatner surprised that he beamed it up was Kirk surprised that Khan probably hadn't occurred to him. I could see it not occurring to him. to him quite yet. Yeah, because they're busy with other things. But he just needed to find out. He needed to get a location on the the cave. Khan right. did before he could beam it up. And he knows that the Enterprise is going to be back in a little bit to pick him up. So when he screams, Kirk does, yeah, yeah. when he does his Khan scream, is he just trying to sell to Khan that Khan has won, or is he really mad? It's this. I think he's selling that he. He's faking it, right? He's just giving a big performance to Khan. Yeah, I think right? so. Okay. Well, when he, when Khan says... He's also pretty pissed off at him for causing all this oh, trouble. Oh, totally. I mean, well, yeah. He's just sure. like, he's venting a little when bit. He, when he tells him, you know, I've done much worse than kill you, it, he's not kidding. I think that what he does sure. to Kirk in this movie is horrifying. To kill his son and then to kill his friend and to you know for for his his best friend it's almost like he murders him twice but he hasn't done it yet no but like but it's it, it's 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 sort of this premonition and it's so true what he says yeah. i've done so much worse than than kill you is is absolutely true i think that what he does in this film is is like every moment after this for kirk um is just it it I, there, there's no way to wash off um, 
what what he's done. So like yeah, for I, I don't know. I think that Khan right. is like the it's, ultimate villain. It's like a bit of a foreshadowing line, but also has like, what he means is I'm going to bury you yeah. alive. That's the surface right, meaning of the line. Right, but Kirk knows he's not going to. Kirk the knows undertone he's got the of ship it coming. Right. But you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's a good question because for what we know of what's about to happen, Kirk probably feels like he's got the upper hand still or at least has a hand uh, uh, equal footing to use all the appendages and he uh <laughs> thankfully not all, <laughs> all the ones that are relevant pg-13 relevant oh yes. i just want to point out too that david is such a, what is that like he's this such just a to keep us busy baby. isn't it that's something i would have said when i was eight years old he's such a baby <laughs> anyway he is really a baby He's a spoiled only child. He's my the, least the... favorite character in this movie, and I think that they, frankly, should have gotten a better actor. That's my opinion. Yeah. Merritt Buttrick, uh, pretty much only this and Square Pegs, right? The television show Square Pegs was about all he did. Um, had a had a tragic... Yeah, he passed um, away pretty early. And he, Although yeah, this is set in the 21st century, the mm-hmm. uh, her makeup is very 1980s. It was yeah, particularly great. harsh in the previous scene when she came in. It was like, whoa. This is definitely like, she's definitely like a lady that would have been in my church or something. Like, she really does remind me of that era of my life. <laughs> she's this very, very early 80s lady. And she's pretty cool. She has a really strange way of speaking, though, I have to say. They give her some lines that are a little, like, here in a minute. Well, there's like two or three here in the next, like, two minutes that she gives it her. Very strange things for a human being to say. Stay tuned and John will tell you what those lines are. Oh, but I don't think I'll have to tell you. It's coming up right here. Like who would ever say? Oh, never mind. It is a little bit, a couple of seconds from now, but she's standing right there. It's this shot. So this is the ur-text of aging franchise heroes discovering mm-hmm. they have sons, right? Mm-hmm. Who they never met before. That's mm-hmm. crazy to me. Man, how many of them are as obnoxious as David? I don't know. Mutt's kind of obnoxious. Yep. Here's the line. I mean, who in the world would say this? That will make you feel young, as when the world was new. Does yeah. that even make? Does that even make sense? It's a very strange thing she to say. Her pay that oh, God, day. and when she says, "Can I cook or can I cook?" I, it's like, I, can, can I, I cook, cook or, or can't? Can yeah, yeah, it's so like, weird. I've always hated that line. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we never find out. Like, can she cook or <laughs> not? She doesn't even know. <laughs> it's strange. <laughs> Unless she was just talking about the Genesis thing. That is. Are you joking, right? That is what she's yes, talking I'm about. Yes, I'm joking. Of course. Right? Yeah. of course I am. But this is, I mean, this is a good one. Bones also, have you seen the like? It's all very strange. Everything <laughs> everything that people say. Look at that. So that's totally she, Gustav Doré, right? His, but it doesn't make any sense. There's not a sun down there. Yeah, I know. It's the I light know. source. But, it's but so that's bizarre. totally what he's ripping off, like the Paradise yeah. Lost Gustav Doré pictures. I think there might be more shots of this in the director's cut too, actually. 
I think we get a bigger, maybe that, we'll see. That's yeah, a dodgy mat, right? Are we in agreement there that that's a little. Eh. Uh, I'm fine with it. I don't care. You're fine with it? Okay. John's yeah, good yeah. with it. We're good. I'm good. Moving on. Oh, no. That's, that's, that's a great. See, I love that. one's that. really pretty. But, but we got to explain that light source. You got to tell me how there's sun in the middle of a planet. <laughs> I don't know. Does she just have a big light? Is there just like a light? Well, the, down that tunnel, there's a light. <laughs> Giant light. The thing about that waterfall, you know, the the mat there, it looks like the waterfall was like transparent, like where the water is, and that they're just like kind of waving a light behind the mat <laughs> to mm -hmm. make it look like it's moving. Yeah. Let's go back and look at that sometime, but that's really what it looks like. It looks almost like I feel like they used to make art posters that were like in a hot like there was a box. Didn't they used to make posters that were and they'd have transparent bits on them, and then there was a box behind it that had a light that moved back and that forth moved, to make yeah. it look like yeah. water was moving. Oh, and stuff. yeah. Yeah, it looks like like silver, like, I don't know, molten, molten silver mm -hmm. or something. Yeah. Thankfully, it's Genesis water, and so they, Genesis they could, water's different, they can look yeah. like anything. It's full of silver. Savick's lipstick it's... is just on point. Look at that. <laughs> Man, she just applied. But I've... <laughs> but what if Vulcan wear lipstick? Seems Is like it Romulan half sense. again. Mm. Romulans do they do have a sense of fashion that's they do, quite different. Yeah, well I think too. of like Kim Cattrall when she's she's like it would go more mm -hmm. smoothly and like the way her lips it's like smoothly. <laughs> it's just like... I love how they have dressers show up with their uniforms. Oh yes. Isn't that great? <laughs> Like, we we should cool. point out that they were talking while being transported just a second ago, by the way. The conversation was still going on <laughs> as they were beaming. <laughs> that's a, new, on that. that's a, a definite Nicholas Meyer not getting Star Trek. Uh, like, you're, you're like molecules can't speak while they're... Just, <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. The speech molecules that you've just emitted out of your mouth. <laughs> So he wanted those kind of tin can corridors, I guess, that made mm -hmm. it feel cramped when people were running down the hallways, which is interesting. He has so many cutaways in this movie that sometimes they're in very strange spots. Mm-hmm. I'll, there's a couple of them where there's just people running around and suddenly it'll just say red alert for just a second. And it's like, we, I think we get it. Like they're running around like it's a red alert, but they're still cool. That's probably TV budget, right? They're shooting fast and they're just, they're picking up things to just, you yeah. know, imperfections add, yeah. or create energy. We got the red submarine light here again. God, I can like just hear the soundtrack. <laughs> can yeah. you? I mean, mm -hmm. even when it's on mute, yeah. I'm like, oh, I can hear it. I can hear it. <laughs> there, like that. Yeah. It's like just cut to that for a second for some reason. There's the vacuum cleaner guy. That's right, because you got to stitch those two shots together. Now, I mean, this is I'm, I I love this, and it's also completely absurd. Yeah. Come on. Not for a second am I believing that this happens every time they want to launch one of these things. That's crazy. <laughs> 
But he's he's again trying to ground. I guess this thing. I never thought about it, but you're totally right. Yeah, it's kind of silly. I mean, it's even it? kind of wobbly. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then there's a tube at the far end that it goes into, mm-hmm. I assume. And yeah. as they're taking the grace oh, off, geez. it's very, like, musical. Like, a, you know, yeah. like you expect, yeah, like, like, fan it's a, kicks. It's a production number. Yes. Like, yeah. full-on sailor boy uniforms, <laughs> tap dancing around, patent leather shoes. <laughs> I have some, there were some interesting pictures in this Cinefantastique that I'll post on the website of the cloud tank that they're shooting in to create the the Atari Nebulae. It's pretty cool. This looks pretty good. Do you know whether they cleaned up the mat lines digitally for the for the video There's release? Because I have this memory of seeing the movie and kind of in places, you know, you could still kind of see the mat lines. You, know, you can definitely still see, like when the Reliant entered there. Yeah, I remember noticing that last night. God, and they even go so far as to put a sweater around his. Look shoulders. at his '80s tennis sweater. Yeah, tied around his. Ugh. <laughs> It's like the they don't like him either. <laughs> the filmmakers yeah, I think don't you like might him be either. Correct. Yeah. College boy, eh? I love that Kirk stretch He's like, oh, better give him some shit. Better prod him a little bit here. It's great. He knows exactly how to get this guy. <laughs> now he underplays that nicely. What's that? He underplays that line nicely. Mm-hmm. That. I'm laughing at your superior. It's, yeah. it's... He's gosh. I mean, just so much swagger in, in, you know, in, in the subtlety that he does. I, I think that that, that for me is why, like, you know, I, there, there's a dream of being a star starship captain, you know, and in, work in Starfleet because he is always so confident. It's amazing. I just wish I could, I wish I could approach life the way James Kirk does. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see this in the movie theater. Yeah. I'm sure you will see it next year yeah. when it's the 40th anniversary. Yeah. 40th anniversary. That'll be Hopefully great. we'll all be back in movie theaters. Yeah. That guy, I never really thought, that guy on the left is a little. I know, busy. he looks like, he looks like a Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> Hold on there, Extra. boss. Don't worry, boss. I got Arnie's you. lifting buddies. <laughs> I can't think of the actress who I always kind of think that the woman there at Navigation is. That, um... She was in Miracle Mile. She's like a waitress in the diner in Miracle Mile. And she's just a ton of movies. I can't think of them all right now. It's not her at all. But I always think it is for just a second. I think she's, oh, she's in Seinfeld. She's the woman that won't take his autographed picture up the wall at the diner in Seinfeld. Anyway, sorry. I just always think that's who she, she is. This stuff is so nice. It it's looks beautiful. so cool. Yeah.
It's nice. It's it's fun because you get this like just a hint of trippy space movie, but it's a full on submarine movie action movie happening. Like they're not indulging in the like two thousand one esque you know trippiness right. of it or anything, but you still get a little touch of it. Space is really weird. Maybe it's the difference between Douglas Trumbull and ILM, ILM and maybe. Ken Ralston. And this is a great uh, device here with the staticky screen. So you got this mysterious screen, like what? Do, you can't see anything, can't see anything, and then when you do, just get a glimpse. It's exciting, and it's a you know, I think it happens here in a minute where they actually get the visual for just long enough to take a shot. It's good. So you saw that last tableau where you saw it was a much wider shot and it showed everybody on the bridge. Again, just giving that sense that the Enterprise is a lot bigger than the Reliant. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if they ever portrayed uh, the phasers as being like these cutting tools almost before. Like they they just strafed the side of the ship and cut down the yeah that's the first hole. time that they'd ever sh I'd ever seen that in a space battle. I mean, we knew those yeah. phasers could cut through bulkheads, but yeah, it was, was a great idea. Just buzz saw through it. Scotty's not looking so good. You know, because so the joke of the red shirt uh, in in Star Trek, the sort of like expendable crew member is is uh, i don't know for for this film it's interesting because um I, I there's there's a seriousness about life um and you know each me each crew member that gets hurt or killed uh, there's you know there I, yeah there's attention yeah paid to it. Mm -hmm. yeah it's sure. not just sort of this you know expendable like oh we just lost some crew members or whatnot that it's really there there's a gravity to it well they all got red shirts on so everybody's everybody's in danger, in danger everybody's except in for da david they're really they're <laughs> really <David>. tempting fate <laughs> he just wait though <laughs> yeah i also think the red shirt joke is a little bit overplayed. i agree played a lot of a lot of times when you watch, they they there is a deep effect to it on the original series too. It's not as if they were always flipping about. Oh, red shirt, no, yeah. that's true. You're right. A lot of times it was actually driving a lot of the drama that he lost a crew member. You yeah, know, so it's He's always very important for the lives of four hundred thirty people. Mm -hmm. Takes it seriously. That's a long shot mm -hmm. without the music. The art director, uh, Michael Miner, did apparently did a lot of the storyboards himself. And he said he felt like he redrafted the entire movie like four times mm -hmm. because they were planning all of these effects before the script was locked and even before they had hired a director. But there's there's really beautiful storyboards of a lot of this stuff. <laughs> 
Why is there that thing? <laughs> I like why it. Why is that why? thing? And how long does it take them to load another one in? How many can they load in at any given time? So many questions about torpedoes. There's some model work, huh? Yeah. Modeled without any motion to it good whatsoever. Old, good old-fashioned <laughs> blast the model. standing perfectly still. This is a great effect, though. I like the get the nacelle off and then all the sparks flying out of it. It's kind of ridiculous as it is. It's a cool effect. And and it somehow inherently makes the ship off balance when you've lost one <laughs> one of the... Yeah, it's like a, it's like only having one oar on a boat, right? I think also losing your entire crew probably. Yeah, that doesn't help. Yeah, that one guy who's in charge of balance, he's he's get he's dead now. I keep looking for the no smoking sign. I don't see it, but I know it's there somewhere. I bet Monoban loved this part of the movie, like playing this. Oh, you know when injured. he read it in the script, he was like, oh, yes. I know exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's interesting when you kind of juxtapose this final scene um, with Khan with, with the opening, you know, everybody play acting like they've died. You know, how how was my performance? You know, um, mm-hmm. And kind of seeing how, uh, like... You know, I don't know, like like sort of comparing the the like true death to the the play mm-hmm. death in the beginning, is um, yeah, it's it. I don't I don't know. I, it's those types of details that I think are really interesting in movies because like you know, the, it, none of these people like died in pretty positions or anything. They're all just like scattered. Yeah. This looks like the self destruct mechanism in the in Alien, doesn't no it? Doubt. No doubt that's what they were playing off yeah. of. Concentric yeah. circles. It's like, well, let's find something familiar. You know, people will understand what this is. And I think that they just kind of borrowed that. They just used one cylinder instead of, what was Alien yeah. 4, right? But it's interesting. So it's on the on the transporter platform. They just left it there. Okay, never mind. I was like, wait, does he tra- also transport it? But no, of course he doesn't. But cutting to that that quick insert of commit, that's like kind of interesting too. It's like why? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That's like almost Godardian or something. Yeah. Like Godard yeah. text on the screen. Now David comes in handy. Finally, David does something. Which is how he knows what's going on with Genesis. The casting's beautiful because he, you know, I, I, the actor David does really kind of look like a young uh, William Shatner. You know, the blonde, beautiful William Shatner. He's so early eighties. Yeah, the, well, the how many <laughs> actors can you think of, or like members of the police, can you yes. think of that he similar to? Like he looks like Stuart Copeland yes, he does. plus plus the Big Brother in ET plus. I mean, think of it, that was just a real popular look. Willie Ames. <laughs> Willie Ames, of course, he was the he's the god the grand the daddy of all of them. Yeah, uh, 
the kid I can't remember that kid. There was that movie called First Born with Peter Weller. Do you remember that movie where Peter uh, Weller's yeah, like the psycho the stepdad? Like. The kid looks like that too. It was just a real common look at the time. Kind of moppy blonde hair, curly or not. So now that your Vulcan mind is fine. That works for me. Mm-hmm. See, that's this is this feels a lot more earned. I love how Bones just falls for this. Sucker. Perhaps you're right. He should have been suspicious of that right there. Like, wait, you said I was right? What? <laughs> <laughs> that should have been the distraction. <laughs> so here comes the, just in case we want to make another one, insert shot yeah, right there. Nice. Just in Which case. apparently I read somewhere that Kelly didn't know he was going to do that. So I also read somewhere that Shatner thought that these the glass should be um, uh, not clear, not transparent, so Spock would only be a silhouette during his death scene. Oh. Yeah, that's, it, that's is that Shatner classic, getting up to classic Shatner? Shatner trying to get more attention. It sounds that's like a Shatner, was. doesn't it? Yeah. See, it'll be better if if you can't see Leonard. Yeah, you know, Lenny, it's better. God, they were like really close friends and huge competitors at the same time, yeah. which is really funny to me. All the stories about Shatner trying to get more lines, get more screen time. Well, nobody could have expected that the guy with the pointed ears would become the sex symbol and would become, yep. you know, the thing yep. everybody talked about. So I'm sure that that must have really it driven Shatner nuts. crazy. Drove him absolutely nuts. <laughs> and we are all the better for it. Oh, yeah. See, this is great. I like the the crossed yes, arms. Yes, and crossed legs. Crossed legs. But Sulu, you'll see, Sulu's like, hmm, he's the coolest guy under pressure yeah. here. <laughs> oh man, Ricardo! <laughs> it's just, just keep him going till the very it's end. So right. wonderful. God, if it had been any other actor, it just would not be as good. He's so wonderful. He's just saturating the screen with every line <laughs> he says, and he gets these giant lines to say, you know, straight out of mo- literally out of yes. movie. Yes. Uh, you know, like here's the biggest line so you can beats the hell out of Fantasy Island, screen. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's almost like he did the explosion from Alien. But kind of went, well, it's stupid to think that this thing would actually blow up three times. So yeah. I'll just do three pullbacks and then blow it up. It's almost like the same effect, but not uh, nonsensical like the alien explosion is, where it's like, well, how, if it blew up once, how does it blow up twice more? But so, so what blew up? The ship's auto destruct, not Genesis, mm-hmm. right? It was, no, it was the a sh- Genesis. He beams turned on Genesis, yeah. Huh? He turns on Genesis. Right. So it doesn't have device, to be, so, so Genesis doesn't have to be on the planet for it to work, right? Well, the, no, because it has the wave, the Genesis wave. Right. 
And we, we don't know how far that that'll go. Just close enough, right? More than 4,000 whatever kilometers or whatever distance they were where David was like, that's not far enough. Right, not far enough. But also they, they don't know. They have not experimented on this level yet. So they're just now finding out that it can hit. Oh, that shot. Yeah, yeah. The shot of the empty chair. Oh. It's such a great moment when he sees that. Get out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) I like that's like 70 year old guy. Like, well, he's still on the crew. That's pretty impressive. Oh. And that's a tough line, man, to have that right there. We don't even get the death scene yet. And Spock is just like, yeah, he's dead. And you're like, wait a minute. What? Really? Archer's response to this scene was like kind of disbelief. Mm. He was like, wait, no, what? Is he really? And I was like, you just keep watching. Oh, man. That's rough. Yeah. But he know he also knows that he's coming back, which yeah. which raises the question for me, for you guys. Does that do anything for you to affect this scene or not? Because to me, I still get a tear. Mm. No matter how many totally. times I see this, he plays it so that the pulling down of the, all oh, that's so Virginia, great yeah. Spock, like dignified Spock. I still find this extremely effective, even though I know that he's just going to come back in the next Well, but movie. we never really get Spock back. I mean, we never get him back this way. And so to a yeah. certain extent, he dies a couple of times. I mean, he die, he physically dies mm-hmm. here and then he dies for Jim you know, when in, in Star Trek four, when he's like, Jim, Spock, call me Jim, remember? And mm-hmm. he's it's like he's lost a lot of sort of his memory of his humanity. That's, you know, that that, that whole computer is silly thing. You know, how do you feel? Um, and so we mm-hmm. never really get Spock back the way he is here. And it's like it's so heartbreaking for me because he is so well, emotional. Um, and it's just it, it's. Like and I'm a Spock fanatic. I adore Spock, and so anything like, you know, where where you see him struggling with his his emotions, it's just like it, it rips me to shreds. So yeah, no, I still get emotional at this. I, it's the question I think becomes: is the death the the thing, or is it what everything around the death? Is it the sacrifice really? I think that's the. Mm. He takes this amazing step, and all the, the everything we talked about earlier about the needs of the many yeah. and so on is thematic. It's so thematically strong, and we get it in this big moment. It's played so perfectly that it doesn't matter that he doesn't, you know, that we do get more movies with Spock in them. If you're that, sitting that there matter. watching this scene and all you're thinking about is he's coming back, you're clearly not paying exactly. attention yeah. to the movie yeah. because the exactly. emotions and the power of of the proclamation of friendship here. And everything else is just so, so powerful. Right. And if you're not in for this, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like how do you, how are you not no, I don't, I don't really know. taken by this? And how amazing is Spock to just let, like you said, John? You know, he, he it doesn't even occur to him to not go in there and save mm-hmm. the entire ship. It, he doesn't, he doesn't waver in his thought. You know, it's not like he has any sort of conflict with himself. He is such. a... It's such a good, you know, 
mm-hmm. wonderful character. Uh, and he acts out of character to do so because, I mean, I made the joke about him, you know, tricking Bones and how easy it was, but that's not his mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And, and and it's funny because we get the, a little foreshadowing of it when, you know, with the code, you know, the secret code and then Savick's like a lie, mm-hmm. Mr. Spock. And it's like, yeah, that they don't do that, but the concept of lying versus like lives lost, like lying, who cares? Like a lie to, for the greater good is a good lie. And it's, I don't know, I, th- I find oh, there's all these little layers of interesting stuff with this character and what he does. And you're right, the complete lack of hesitation to do this yeah. is just one, it's one of the greatest moments in a movie to me. It's, he's like maybe my favorite character, period. Uh, no kidding in in fiction yeah. or however you want to great. put it yep and uh and for him to do that is like and it would have been great had he not come back honestly that would have been well, and really i kind of agree amazing with amazing had they just stuck with it but what's up i kind of agree with aaron that we we don't ever get spock back no i mean we get leonard nimoy playing spock back yeah, i mean i understand he, what you're saying but but it's not to the never same. It's, yeah. And it's never, it's, I mean, Star Trek, the voyage home is fun because he's, he's, he's getting to be more Spocky, yeah. but the, he's, he's not as rich a character as he is in this. Like, this really is an ending. The best thing about him in voyage home is that everyone, it's a fish out of water movie, yeah. right? Everyone's a fish out of water and he's a double fish yes. out of water. <laughs> He's he's yeah. one layer deeper. He's one you know fathom deeper of a uh, fish out of water or whatever. Yeah. It, it's to me, it's really funny. It, it it's kind of brilliant. And it's a comedy. That That's sense. the thing. And about, it's a comedy. It's a comedy, so that makes it different. You know. Yeah, I love Spock so much that when I saw uh, the third uh, film the first time, I hated it <laughs> because there's not there's not mm. enough Spock in there's it not, for me. <laughs> yeah, he's on the poster. It's names in the I title, know. and you don't get them until the it very very end. Yeah, exactly. Drives me nuts. These were my minutes in the the Star Trek. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Which I those four hundred year old glasses that were probably priceless, mm. <laughs> just broken. Is that a like a wine chiller? Kind of looks. What like is in it. that? Like a martini, or yeah. But it looks like a the wine bottle is made out of the same material as yeah. the chiller. Oh, this this thing he's wearing looks like from the first movie. <laughs> yeah, David's sure. outfit looks very. Oh, yeah. Star Trek: The Motion Picture. See, I love everything. I I really like. I love this scene. But it might have been someone else. Might have been Bones. Mm-hmm. Get what yeah. I mean? I understand yeah. that they built this yeah. father-son thing, and and I do like it uh, that okay. Well, if you're going to have that in the movie, then I guess it's good that he has this father-son bonding moment, and you get the fa- the son has respect for him. The hardest nut to crack. Everyone else in the universe has so much respect for him, except for this guy. So it makes sense. But the things he says are probably things that should have come out of Bones' mouth. Yeah, I feel like the only reason that he is in this movie is to set up the fact that he's going to get killed in the next one you know like if you took if you took kirk's son out of the equation this movie would not be any less of a movie i agree i'm not saying you take carol marcus out of it but but yeah if you take him out of the third movie right that moment's great right and now that could have been carol that could have been carol marcus what if it it was carol that got killed by the klingons instead of him yeah, probably better. Oh, be it'd be better. Be more like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she would have then, and she would have had 
more to do in this movie as well, because probably mm-hmm. anything that David does, Carol would have done. Yeah, she would have been yeah. on board. She would have been talking about what Genesis is doing. I always just felt like this but, is so weird. It feels like they're, he's sitting in a hallway, um, just the way that this is lit. Uh, like a waiting room. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't think mean. there's any ke- chemistry between the two of them. Simple as that. Which I, you know what? Honestly, there wouldn't be. You know, he hasn't seen it. This is a man, you know, 15 years. Yeah, but years. I just mean actor to actor. Oh, I, yeah. I just feel like there are certain, there's somebody that, there is an actor out here who might have had more magnetism. Sure. yep. And so, might have lit something up between the two of them. I, I do want to point out that when they hug, Archer's response was, man, I don't think either of those guys have ever been hugged before. Oh. That's what Archer said. And I thought either he's critiquing the performances or he's reading in some pretty deep stuff into that moment because they do both acts. That makes me sad about Kirk. Uh, (laughs) Makes me want to hug Kirk. Well, Uh, first of all, we we know full well Kirk has been hugged hugged before. Well, come on. (laughs) Many, many times. Would we call that hugging? (laughs) I've never got a hugging, yes. And here's getting some more of that classical literature. Yeah. Got to get that. That's, But that you know what? It's funny. Like, this movie is pervasive with it, right? Between the Moby Dick stuff, the Tale of Two Cities. Mm-hmm. But it really was a part of the original series. <laughs> like, there was a lot yeah. of that. There was. All the Shakespeare titles. Shakespeare and taken. a lot of titles. Were like, shit, so many Shakespearean so many titles. Shakespeare titles. I, I, I remember meeting a lady at uh, one of the conferences I went to um, in grad school. And she, she taught a course on literature in Star Trek. Uh, which I was like, that is it. awesome. I want to take that class. Yeah, you should teach that, Aaron. That would be awesome. Oh, I've got I've to convince you, them. Go. That would be amazing. I would love that. Lots of lots of literature that you could tie Yeah, in. absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think you would ever, you could ever, you could do a podcast about that, for instance, and never run out of mm-hmm. shows, I don't mm-hmm. think. Like if you're covering all of Star yeah. Trek. Because I mean, even, you know, movies, obviously, too. You know, you haven't heard mm-hmm. Shakespeare until you've heard or <laughs> Hamlet mm-hmm. until you've heard it in the original Klingon. Yeah, even the Klingons. <laughs> yeah, are that's into, right. Nineteenth like, <laughs> century Amer- <laughs> English uh, literature. So I guess these were shot at the Botanical Garden in uh, up near San, San Francisco, up near San ILM. Francisco. Grab this stuff at the last. I mean, that's makes me want to move to mm-hmm. Northern California. Yeah. It's beautiful. So yeah, there's just no doubt you don't show that thing unless you know. There's no doubt he's coming back. Yeah, the next movie, right? If there was doubt, you know, God, that like, looks like the same shot again, yeah. like a different take, but same move, same shot. I never noticed. I that. loved adding the the wind and the debris in the air. I don't know what dust or however you mm-hmm. want to describe it. Really gives it that alien look, though. It well, don't you think the fact planet. that Spock speaks the um, this final epilogue yeah. it says he's coming back? I guess. I mean, that certainly wasn't the original intention. I mean, I think that they had yeah. Nimoy wasn't necessarily going to do it. I think they had. Didn't they have to give him the director job basically for him to do it? I think. Yeah, I think he was pretty much done. Like, that was the only f- thing that brought him back in. But well, I've heard two accounts. I also heard an account that he was so pleased with how how the movie worked that he wanted to come back. So mm-hmm. I don't know. 
So let's see if um, <laughs> see if what's a Judson Scott got uh, a credit. Wow, if he did, it's very far. Oh, Cadet Nicholas Guest, I forgot he was. Yeah, uh, that is that's what I thought who that was. Christopher Guest's brother oh, Nicholas, yeah. that's right. From the long run. Yeah, he's not in no. the credits. He's You're right. The, he's not in the what credits. What the hell? What it's a crazy. Sorry, but sir, you were <laughs> nice <a fool>. move, guys. <laughs> Dumb. Wow. Bill Couch Sr. and Jr. The Couch family. <laughs> Dynasty of Stuntmen. <laughs> Looking for any familiar names. Didn't give a lot of credits to performers in this, did they? Those were all stunt actors, but a lot of them might have been the extras, too, it I guess. It all belies its TV budget, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and also at that era, they probably didn't have... The collective bargaining agreement probably didn't help some people get in the credits. You know, like that's changed a lot since then, I imagine. Well, Aaron, thank you so Wait. much for joining us on this. you have any final thoughts? Oh, um, no. Didn't mean to spring that. No, on no, you. that's okay. That's all right. Uh, no, I mean, I just, I, I, you know, if you, if you guys do decide to do three and four, I'd, I'd love to, um, be in on that too, because I, I, yeah, I okay. love, I love these films, and they're, they're such, and I, and I kind of feel like two, three, and four make a trilogy, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, so does Paramount. They package it that way yeah. all the time. The trilogy, they'll call it. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's interesting. Yeah. I think that the 4K box that's coming out soon is just those three movies. Mm. I think it is. No, oh, I think it has so the motion. Sad. It has the motion picture oh. too. Yo, it's the first good. four, but not I mean, five. The motion six. picture deserves a little bit more love, maybe than it than it gets. Maybe, I, I maybe agree, and I also like think the six should be in there. I love <laughs> I, I love Star Trek six. Yeah, six is fun. But yeah. maybe you don't need that uh, that globby like grape Kool Aid. In 4K or whatever that. Look at that special be. sound effect. Do you know why Alan they did Howard. it purple? Do you know why they had the the purple blood? Uh, because if it was that, red, yeah. then they would have had to rate it like PG-13 or oh, sure, whatnot. Sure. So they, well, it's also just alien, alien, Cleon alien colors, right? Yeah. Like blue, yeah. blue. It just liquid looks... is obviously alien, or blue food is obviously <laughs> yeah. alien. That's but true. they, it certainly was a little early in the age of CGI yeah. for them to be trying that, to be honest. Like, when you watch it now, you're like, well, okay, I guess that's fine. Yeah, that was the first one that I got to see in the movie theaters. And I was I, I was in love with Chris, Christian Slater, like really in love with him. Oh. <laughs> and so when he Neither's showed a, up. There's a report from that. Yeah. <laughs> Shows up being all Jack Nicholson. Right. <laughs> Well, his, his mom was the yep, casting yep. <laughs> agent, you know, casting And he was director, a big Star so. Trek fan, so he wanted to be in it, so yeah. that's funny. Hey, Mom, can you think I could uh, be in that Star Trek movie? <laughs> hey, I was I was happy about it, okay? <laughs> no, for sure. I loved it. Hey, I was a pump up, a oh, pump up the volume yes, freak. me I too. I adored that. Love that movie. Still love my, it. My friend, uh, our friend Pete the Retailer, Pete, Pete from my Star Trek podcast and from the Star Wars Minute, Insist that that movie is responsible for the podcasting. Uh, no, like, everybody deep down, that movie made them want to be podcasters. Oh, so they just didn't know what that was yet. Brilliant. And I'm like, yep, that's pretty yep. accurate. Now that that's I think, funny. I think you're not too far that's off. Awesome. I'm still looking for familiar names in the credits. But I, did, I, I pointed out Alan Howarth, who's who was mm. John Carpenter's oh, yeah. musical partner on most of his, oh, okay, most of his yeah. movies, like Escape from New York and 
Kathy Shine with the travel arrangements. I've never seen that credit. <laughs> I think it was travel arrangements. It sounds like the end of a, of a game Thanks, show. Kathy. Thanks for the tickets, Kathy. <laughs> Did you get two carry-ons on this one? Well, there we go, 1982. Do you think the Courage the, Estate still gets residuals? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Interesting effect he had on popular culture and not... Oh, Glenn Glenn is a... Glenn Glenn Sound. A, a, yeah, Glenn Glenn. What was... In the series, that's like the all... Glenn the, Glenn Sound does all the... There's a credit to a movie that says, Sound by Glenn Glenn, and then the next credit is... Glenn is like Glenn something Glenn Ross. I'm not kidding. There's a movie where if you watch it, it says Glenn 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 Ross. Like right on the screen. Well, that's pretty like, weird. Like what happened to yeah. Gary? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Somebody somebody caught that and put it out there. I can't remember what. All right, what that's it, it, folks. Thanks for joining yeah. us. We will see you the next time, or uh, we'll see you on the regular feed. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye.